Hello and welcome to Recruitment in the Modern World. I'm Shara Beckley and this episode forms part of our series on resources for employers. In it, we focus on the do's and don'ts of writing a person specification. To discuss this, I am pleased to have with me Anthony Haynes, Communications Director of F.J. Wilson Talent Services. Welcome, Anthony. Thanks, Sharon. At F.J. Wilson, you get to see lots of employers draft person specifications. Let's start by considering what the pitfalls are. I think there's one main pitfall, which is simply difficulty of thinking through the distinctions between the different elements of a specification. So you've Mm. got the experience that you require, you've got the qualifications that you require, and you've got the skills, for want of a better word, that you require. And it's often people are not very clear about the distinctions to make between them. Absolutely. And so in practice, sort of where do things go wrong? Well, I think they go wrong in various ways. I think the first one is there's often a lack of clarity about the distinction Mm. between skills on the one hand and Mm. qualifications on the other. Okay. And and could you unpack that a bit more for us? Yeah. So I I frequently read person specifications where Mm. the employer says that they want a number of high order skills. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, uh, And then the specification goes on to say a successful applicant must have a first degree. And I often think, well, why? I mean, presumably you're going to assess the person's skills. And if they've got the skills needed to do the job, how does a degree add in? That's so true. Because sometimes, you know, it says first degree or equivalent. Does that change anything then? Not fundamentally. I think that wording is better. But if by equivalent, what they mean is another HE qualification, well, actually, the same arguments apply pretty much. And if they mean something wider than that, you have to ask, well, you know, what would be wrong with a degree from a university of life? Oh. And so to give one, one example that I often think of here, mm-hmm. supposing we were in, I think it was 1953, um, And supposing we had a selection committee to choose the next head of state for the (laughs) UK. And Mm. supposing Princess Elizabeth, as she then was, applied for the job, Mm. presumably the selection committee would have said, oh, well, she hasn't got a degree, you know, she's she's not going to (laughs) be up to it. Um, Or if you don't like the monarchical example, Mm. um, let's take the example of Richard Branson. I mean, Richard Branson hasn't got a degree so think of all those jobs where people would say i don't think this branson chaps up to very much he won't be able to do it he hasn't even got a degree sheesh those are (laughs) such good examples particularly because you really get to begin to see how you can lose out on such great talent yeah by having such specifications so you said that there were um two pitfalls what's the second Uh, I think the second is a a failure to distinguish between skills on the one hand and experience on the other hand. Okay. What does that look like in practice? Well, a little while ago, I read a specification for a senior administrative post in a membership Mm. body. And again, it specified a number of high order skills, quite rightly. Then it specified that the successful candidate would need to have a certain amount of experience working in the membership sector. And again, I found myself thinking, if they've got the skills, why isn't that okay? 
isn't true? Because what problems does that lead to? Well, the first thing is it limits the field because mm. there will be people who do have the skills but don't have the experience and they don't mm. apply and you're just you're discounting those people now even at the best of times discounting people who could be good candidates that that's not a good thing to do but bear in mind we're, we're recording this in early 2022 in the uk and we have a very tight labor market with lots of vacancies so actually discounting able candidates that's the very last thing you should be doing and what are some of the sort of further problems that this could bring about well i think when you limit the field in this way you're more likely to produce conformity in the field of candidates they're more likely to resemble each other and you're likely to end up with fewer people from non-traditional backgrounds. So what we're saying here is that specifying experience unnecessarily limits the diversity of your workforce. Yes, that's true. Uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. There's a mm. university centre of research that I work with and um, all the staff there, they're, they're all good. You know, they all seem to me bright professional people. Nearly all of them are well-spoken youngish white females and i ought to stress i've, I've nothing against well-spoken <laughs> youngish females but it feels like there's a production line and when each one turns up you kind of think well may maybe that person is the best person for job but somehow i don't think they can, that can always be the case and it, this isn't simply an argument about equity or social justice i mean it is that mm. But it's also about the fact that you end up with a workforce where you tend to kind of, there's a lot of sameness, you tend to duplicate yeah. the thinking. And, there, and and that goes to say, you know, there is so much research about how that diversity of thought or even different perspectives really impact and drive that bottom mm. line. Yeah. So there again, um, organisations losing out on that. So unnecessary yeah. specification. Yep. of experience is leading to you know limiting that diversity yep. and then are there any other areas yeah I, I think what that does when you specify this experience unnecessarily you inadvertently you end up sending a negative message about the potential for staff development in your organization because effectively you're mm. saying we're only going to take people who are fully formed and the person who comes into the job is going to have to be rather like the person who's just left the job after doing it for three or four years or whatever. So the message yeah. there is, well, no, no one here learns on the job. Yeah. I've, I've got a personal experience of that. Mm. I started my career as a school teacher and then I moved into publishing. I was a commissioning editor for education books. And I felt that I could demonstrate that I met all of the skills requirements. And fortunately, and unusually, I think, mm. the publisher didn't say that the candidate needed to have experience of publishing. If they had said that, then I would never have got the job. Wow. And then look at where we are today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. I think that really does solidify, you know, the, the area on person specifications and where organizations can really begin to you know, cut themselves short. Yes. So if I was to attempt to summarize, we're looking at sort of two areas. We've got the distinction between having a distinction between sort of skills and qualifications. 
using university degrees an example where mm-hmm. you're really limiting a pool of talent that could be absolutely great for the role and then the second distinction is sort of distinguishing between skills versus experience yeah such as your publishing example yeah and and for me is i think these are so important because there is so much you can learn on the job to to your previous point versus there's natural skill sets or transferable skills that you've picked up from other roles that you really sometimes can't even teach on a job. Yep. So you Indeed. really want to make sure that you're not cutting yourself short when, you know, pulling together your person specification. So just before we finish, you are communications director of FJ Wilson Talent Services. What does the company offer in this area of talent acquisition? Well, in in recruitment, we're we're not a general recruiter. We're a specialist. So our clients come from the sectors of membership bodies, learning providers and awarding Mm. bodies. And we don't work on all kinds of roles. We work on mid-level roles up to senior level roles, all in professional roles of some sort. And where can listeners go to find out a bit more? The best place is the website, which helpfully has a simple URL. So it's simply (laughs) fjwilson.com. And uh, you'll find the phone number prominently displayed on there, but I'll just read it out. Um, It's 0203-195-3600. Thank you once again, Anthony. And thank you to our listeners. And please join us for the next episode of Recruitment in the Modern World. The music for this episode comes courtesy of the composer, Harry Chalmers.